essentially, I want to know, like, how can I do my best as mom not to create more wounds for my son? Like my oldest, mm. like granted at his youngest, both of us were in very dark places. Like I'm being fully transparent. Like we went through a lot when he was little because transition change, complete 180 change of life. Hello, you beautiful soul, and welcome to the Evolve with Evelyn podcast, where we break through all the fears, obstacles, and limiting beliefs that are holding you back from the life, relationships, and business or career you desire. I am your host, Evelyn Huynh, founder of Evolve 89 Coaching Institute, speaker and transformational life coach specializing in inner child and generational trauma healing. Join me each week to heal and strengthen the relationship with yourself and activate your authentic voice so that you can evolve mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. This is episode four of the Evolve with Evelyn podcast on breaking cycles of generational trauma in parenthood with Sam. I'm really excited about this episode because for those of you who don't know, one of my biggest goals in life is to become a mom. So when it comes to parents and moms and dads, they hold a very special place in my heart. And a lot of the work that I do with clients now is breaking free from generational cycles. So if you're a parent or desire to be a parent, then I think you'll find lots of golden nuggets in this episode. So whether you are currently or have experienced mom guilt mom shame, or want to know how you can do your best as a parent to not create more wounds for your children, then this episode's for you. This is the first ever live coaching episode on this podcast, so I'm equally excited and also nervous at the same time. I've been doing coaching for so many years now, but I think it's a completely different ballgame when you know that you're being recorded and it's going on live. So I just want to say thank you so much to Sam for wanting to be on this podcast and for sharing her heart with us. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Well, everyone, thank you so much for being here. Welcome back to the podcast. So this is like uncharted territories for me. Um, This is our first ever live coaching session and it's with my very, very, very special friend and online business manager, Samantha Smith. And she holds a very, very special place in my heart. She's been the most consistent thing in my life, consistent person in the last almost two years. And I would not be functioning in my business or anything without her. And so I'm so grateful to have her on. And today we're going to be having a pretty raw and honest conversation and really Sam is going to be a major voice for a lot of moms out there that are going through whatever they're going through in motherhood. So Sam, what is your question? What is your ask today? Essentially, I want to know, like, how can I do my best as mom not to create more wounds for my son? Like my oldest, Mm. like granted at his youngest, both of us were in very dark places. Like I'm being fully transparent. Like we went through a lot when he was little because transition change, complete 180 change of life. Mm -hmm. And then I had severe, like I had really bad postpartum, like Mm -hmm. so bad that I was like, I don't, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. Like that's how low I got like it, but I vocalized it. And of course, like I never did. 
and now I don't feel those ways, which I'm thankful for. But like, I see some of the trauma in him now because of where I was then. And the pandemic just like made it come out so hard. Mm. Now finally going to school every day. We're getting him involved in sports. So he has his own outlet because he's seven. He needs his own things. But I'm like trying not to lose my mind every day because he wants, he, he's definitely a direct reflection of me and pushes back hard. <laughs> right. What are you noticing in him that is kind of raising some red flags in you? That's making you go, oh my goodness. Like there's trauma that's manifesting right now. Um, He has like no confidence in himself. Like he, the dude won't even take a shower alone. Like I have to stand at the door or like be in the room on the other side of the wall and he knows I'm in there or he won't take a shower. Like he will fight me. And like it becomes, it ends up becoming a screaming match because I'm like, dude, you just have to take a shower. It's a shower, but nothing's going to happen to you. Like he has, I see anxiety rising in him. Like he wakes up scared. He's got vivid dreams. Like so did dad. So do I like he has vivid dreams, poor dude. Mm -hmm. And doesn't realize that it's not real. It's just a dream. So when it wakes him up, he panics and runs into my room multiple times a night. So we're not sleeping. And I'm just like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm trying to be very gentle. I'm like, last night we ran. Like, I rode his scooter and I made him run. (laughs) Because he was done riding his scooter. And I was like, okay, you're running. And it changed his mood. I'm like, okay, do you you need to be more active? Like, Mm. so we're working at the more activity. But I'm like, I don't want this to be your battle. Like, you don't need this battle. When you think back to when you were pregnant with him and also, you know, up to age seven-ish, what kind of parallels do you see? Because oftentimes as children, so, you know, throwing in some epigenetics and generational trauma in there. So when our grandmas were five months pregnant with our moms, the precursor cell of the egg that we developed from was present in our mom's ovaries. And so essentially the three of us share the same biological environment. So oftentimes we're taught about DNA being your hair color, skin color, eye color. That's the chromosomal DNA. That's literally less than 2% of our total DNA. Our, the other 98%, over 98, is the non-coding, which is the emotional, behavioral, mental, um, physical, personality traits that can actually, that's DNA that can be passed down. And so physical environments, toxins around the environment, adequate nutrition, all those different things can affect the fetus. And so if you're kind of just thinking about while your son was in your womb and maybe what it was like for you afterwards, do you notice any parallels with him now? Yeah. Um, I had some extreme anxiety while I was pregnant with him. They told me he had down syndrome. They straight up like looked at me. They're like, he has down syndrome, drug stress. We're going to stick a needle into your, um, like they were going to do the amniocentesis, which is like a super long needle. They go through your belly and get some amniotic fluid. And I was like, "Mm, no. And then the part that made it anxiety ridden was they tell me not to stress. And they're like, okay, a couple days and we'll call you. Well, I didn't hear from him for a week. Turns out they lost my referral. Like my name's super generic. They lost my referral. Then the day that I found out someone cut a fiber optic cable, we had no cell phone service. My car broke down. This is all like in the matter of an hour. 
And I was not a very nice pregnant lady. Like, I'll be fully honest. I drove to the hospital and started like yelling at people because I was so frustrated and I was Mm -hmm. out of my control and they lost all my information and sent it to somebody else. Mm. They did it to me. I was like. (laughs) So you had a pretty stressful pregnancy then it seems like from a lot of. I I mean, in, in certain areas, right? Yeah. And I had complications and stuff and we still had, my husband's still in the military. Yeah. So this is a question that I often get from clients, like, and, you know, excuse my language, but some clients will be like, holy shit, I fucked up my child. And I'm not saying that you're saying that, but this is what a lot of moms I feel like feel like when they start doing their own healing and then they start actually having that awareness. Cause that's the problem is that so much wounds and trauma has been passed down, but because the parents aren't aware of it, they don't realize that it's happening. So when the parents are aware of it, it's like, oh my God, this is manifesting right in front of me. And you know, your, your babies are your life. They are the most important thing to you. So I almost feel like there is a little bit of shame and guilt that exists there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You feel like it, like it's hard enough sometimes just being a working mom like just working, like sometimes I feel shame because the kids are like, mom, you're on your phone or you're on your computer. Get off. Like I want to play. And sometimes I'm at a point where I can be like, okay, boys, like, let's go play. Let's go for a walk, whatever. Go do something fun. I try and do fun things as much as possible. Like get out of the house. Mm -hmm. We stay home. Like we, you know, we're still going through it. We live in the Bay. Like it's still bad. Uh, well, they say it's still bad and they still have us locked out of a lot of things. So, yeah. So before us moving over to the question that you, that you had asked when it comes to these feelings of, you know, shame and guilt that's in your body, what do you do to process them and work through those so that that energy is not super present Um, in your home? A lot of times at night I cry, like flat okay. out. everyone's I'm by myself now at night. So yeah. I cry and I remind myself, like I'm doing the best I can. I'm more aware. I'm constantly shifting the way I parent to try and find that place that works better for us. Like I know parenting's trial and error. There is zero handbook on how to freaking do this. Like, yeah. So trial and error, like, okay, what can I do a little different to try and help him? Like, okay, we're having these outbursts. Like, why don't we see about getting him in sports? Maybe he can channel some of the frustration into that and moving his body and releasing that. I teach my children spiritual meditation. Like they love when mom brings out her card. They are so happy. And they're like, can I have a spirit animal card? And I never tell them no. Granted, like I tell them what their card says and then I dumb it down to them. Like not necessarily, I put it at their level so yeah. that they can understand it or something that I know that they could use in their life at that moment. Oh, I love that. Oh, if everyone who's listening into the spiritual stuff, like highly recommend this because here's the thing that a lot of people don't understand is that children are so such big sponges. And one of the biggest problems I see with parents is that they'll talk to their children like they're idiots like they don't know anything but children are actually a lot more smarter and receptive than we actually think so I love that you're doing that and I want to just like take a second and just acknowledge you for being such an amazing mom you know I've been working with you for almost two years now and your children always come first and that's something that I know and, and and recognize also and children your children come before everything else but you have to come before 
your children. And I know that that's also been a journey that you've also been on is prioritizing yourself first. Cause there's also this like mom guilt and mom shame for like taking care of yourself and, you know, taking some time to prioritize your needs because society has deemed it as, oh, you're selfish. Your children should be before you. But it's like, before you had children, you were Samantha, you weren't mom. You know what I mean? And so at night you have these times that you're crying. What else are you doing to allow yourself to process the feelings and emotions? Because here's another thing with generational trauma is that we are only doing the best that we can with the resources that we have at every given second. And oftentimes 90% of the time we are parenting the same way that our parents parented us, right? So if we didn't have the best set of tools and resources that were passed down to us, it's really like what you just said, the trial and error piece. And that can look really muddy for all these different types of people. So now on this topic of generational trauma and parenting tools that have been passed down, anything coming up for you? Um, I definitely, well, one, I do, I meditate by myself, like what I think by like 9 45 I like to get like I either get in a bath or I get in bed put on like put my tv to meditation music meditate usually surrounded by dogs anymore they sit in my lap and love like Mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like they're giving me extra calming energy because let's be real our animals are very sensitive to our energies um and I like meditate and I journal and I card pull and then either I fall asleep to listening to meditation sounds. Like I turn Mm -hmm. on lately. I like to turn on arch, like Archangel Michael. He is Mm -hmm. definitely my protector. And I turn some tunes to him on, or I do like, I just listen to myself. I'm like, do I want to do very spiritual or do I want something funny and like fall asleep listening to the office? Because that's what my husband and I would do every night. So it's that Mm -hmm. comfort of that was our routine since this is all, we're all in a completely new routine. And I know some of his outbursts are the fact that our entire norm has just flipped upside down. Like the norm he's had since he was a, what, one? Yeah. Like husband worked the same exact way since he was one and he's seven now and it's all different. Yeah. So we're going, that's huge. And that like zero to seven stage is where their subconscious mind is building. So they're building up what identity they're they're forming, what values that they have, beliefs and habits and patterns and behaviors. And children need those stabilities and, and those routines. And that's why some of the people who have the most, you know, issues, I guess, in adulthood are the ones who didn't really have a stable family life and yeah. that safety. So I love that you're doing all these amazing things for yourself. And when it comes to being around your kids or specifically your oldest, where do you feel like maybe he, when do you feel like he outbursts the most? Oh, when dad's gone, he's definitely loves his dad and he's, well, it's dad's gone at bedtime. Now dad was never gone at bedtime and now he is. So he's like, well, this isn't, everyone's not home. Everyone's he had, he has severe FOMO. Like I will fully admit to it. He is my child. We have FOMO. We don't Mm. like to miss out. Like we'll push ourselves so we don't miss out on things. Which is a common symptom of abandonment wounds. Mm -hmm. I have really bad abandonment wounds. Like I fully admit to that. I know where they come from. They stem from what my, my dad in childhood and my mother in adulthood. Yeah. 
So both my parents, essentially my entire, like at some, my mom, until I got married, like once I got married and had kids, she was like, bye. I'm like, I need you. Like, I'm trying to, I'm mom, I have a baby. Like, I just want to talk to you. I'm like 500, I was like 800 miles away from anybody. And I just had a baby all by my, like my husband was at work. So it was me. And I was like, can you just talk to me on the phone? Like some comfort. So I turned to my grandma. My grandparents are my stable. Okay. Like they're, I call my papa, my dad. He is Mm. my father. Cause he even went to, like, he went to my field trips as a child. Like that's how it went. He went on my field trips. He was there for me. Um, My Nana picked us up because my mom wasn't supposed to send us to child care, but was supposed to pay bills. Right. So therefore my grandparents took care of us a lot. Mm, I love that. And it's so important that you, and it's so good that you had at least that level of safety because we all need that. And here's, here's another thing is that it's funny because a lot of the clients that I'm working with now that are healing from abandonment wounds, it wasn't necessarily that parents didn't love them, but if their parents weren't there physically, a children is in an egocentric mind before the age of seven, right? Everything revolves around them. They don't have the ability to think outside of the box and go, oh, dad's at work because he needs to pay the bills. It's We internalize it as dad doesn't love me, or I'm not good enough for dad to stick around. And so that's most likely what's kind of going on in his, in his brain. So I guess the question that comes up that I want to ask you is what's your communication with him? Like, I know you're an amazing mom and you're, you know, I mean, you're juggling kids and (laughs) animals and now a new puppy. So when it comes to him and getting the attention and feeling safe, seen, heard, validated, loved, feeling like he's enough, where does he get that with you and your husband? So we def- we're big on communication, both of us okay. like we talk to him and like, usually it's like, okay, I'm going to ask you something like, or talk, try and I talk to him normal, like complete, like calm. Like if he's not ignoring me, I, I give him six tries before my voice starts raising because I'm like, I've now <laughs> asked you six times. Mom's now frustrated. Like, but I'm very good at being like, mom has now yelled because I'm frustrated because I've asked you six times before. And you haven't responded to me. And I was a yes or no question. Very simple. And you've said nothing. And now mom's frustrated. And I'm really, I've really gotten into the practice of telling him my emotions. So he knows, and I'll tell him why I'm feeling this way and tell him I'm going to step away. Like I'm going to step into the other room. I'm going to take three breaths and I'm going to calm back down and then we can talk. And Mm -hmm. I ask my kids to take deep breaths. Like I work on breath work with both my kids when we're, when things get heated, because let's be honest, we all get heated. Like I don't like, we get heated. We're all stubborn in our home. So I really work on breath work with both my kids so that I can try and bring everyone back down. Mm. And it's the constant, like, Hey bud, I'm really proud of you. Like, let's keep working on this. Like, He's a perfectionist. We've noticed that since he was tiny, like it's just him, complete perfectionism. And I'm like, okay, bud, it doesn't have to be perfect. Let's keep practicing. The more you practice, the better it gets. Like it gets easier, the more we do it. Come on. Like we're really encouraging. I will say that. Like, Mm -hmm. and just even over the tiniest things, like if he helps me with his brother, like on a simple thing, and I always tell him like, hey, bud, thank you. Like that was really helpful. I appreciate you. Like we big 
nice, more, more encouraging as much as possible. No, that's good. That's really what we all need. And most of us didn't get as children, right? Um, and a question that comes up is when he was a child, I know that you mentioned you had postpartum and there was just a lot of, you know, things that happened after his birth and being completely honest with honest here, because I think everyone has experienced this in some way, Mike, were there ever times where maybe he would communicate with you, say something, ask you something. And then maybe in those stressed out moments, you would have an outburst or yell at him or lash out at him, or maybe not even just you, but the people around him, whether it was you or your husband or other caregivers. And he kind of learned like that, that holy shit. Like when I speak out, boom. Yeah, no, for sure. Like we did not like, definitely we've done that. Well, we deal battle PTSD as well in this house. I started reading your body keeps score. I made it five pages before I started bawling my eyes out because I knew like it hit so hard because what the opening bit is about like veterans and stuff. And that's our home. Like for sure. And it's, I know it's generational, like what like is fourth, third. Well, in his house, he's second, but within my fan, like the two families, he would be, he's third generation. And both the kids say they want to be Marines too. So making them fourth generation, which is, scary but mm-hmm. I, I tell him like if you want to do it you can do it like we're very yeah. much so whatever makes you happy like my kid has a mohawk the other <laughs> one wants Maui long curly hair he's gonna have Maui long curly hair like whatever like express yourself like but we've really like as we've both healed and like grown um we've definitely been like okay we're slowing down like he's talking to us stop everything freezes like put it all down what is he saying what are they saying yeah. and the biggest new practice that in the last like probably like six months or so that we've really been pushing like throughout the house is Mm. when they're talking and want to talk and stop and listen yeah so that's amazing and I'm so 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 happy that you guys are doing that and like just proud of you for even popping on this podcast and having this conversation with me because I think sometimes people feel so much shame and guilt that they're like I don't ever want to talk about it so here's the thing is that conditioning is, is a real thing and programming also, and and brains being so malleable, repeated actions and repeated things, it programs something in the subconscious mind. And just as much, just as much as it's taken time to actually program something in there, maybe the habit and the pattern of closing up your throat, because you don't know if mom and dad are going to have an outburst, like what, your child is experiencing, I feel like it's such a big parallel to my childhood. And it had nothing to do with, I feel like my parents, like I now see why they had to do what they did because they were struggling with themselves, whether it was financially, there was so much stress in the household. There was PTSD, like everyone, we're all just doing the best that we can. And so going back to your question, like, how do I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're kind of asking like, how do I stop this from continuing happening? Like, how do I help him heal in a sense? And you're really doing that right now. And I think sometimes we think that it's going to be okay. Like we start the healing process now, and then all of a sudden the symptoms are going to be gone in a few days, but you just even providing that safe space, you connecting with him, you first, like, let's say you're focusing on yourself. That's massive because now you're not having as much emotional outbursts as you did when he was a child. Mm -hmm. So he has a certain pattern in his mind, 
of how things are happening. It's a cycle. And in NLP, we call it a strategy. We have a strategy for everything. We have a strategy for how we communicate, how we interact with people, how we do everything. So in his almost strategy for speaking, he's learned that it's unsafe for him to speak up because he doesn't know what is going to come out of it. And when I'm tapping into the energy, he has a very blocked throat chakra because that was me. I got to the point where I, I didn't even know how to say the words, I'm sorry, or even apologize. And it would piss my parents off so much. And then they would just get so frustrated with me that they would just continue yelling at me. And then it would reinforce the idea that it's unsafe for me to speak up. And so in those moments, I think it's really important for that he understands what safety feels like again. And he is still really young. You know, I've worked with clients that have kids that are 10 years old. And then the parents are like, oh my God, my child is really messed up because like it's past the age of seven, but they're still sponges in a sense. So we can still help them reprogram their subconscious mind and they'll still, you know, like have maybe parts of them that still sits in that fight or flight response. But if you continue the practice of making him him feel seen, heard, safe, validated, maybe when dad's gone, um, be really intentional about how we can include the father figure in his life, even when he's not physically there. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Dad's only got dad's just gone to work. Other than that, he's home during the day. Like Mm -hmm. we do his homework together. Like we we've the one thing I'm most like the most grateful for in my life is how hands-on my husband is with my kids. Like I did not have that as a child, like from my mm-hmm. own father, unless I was on a quad, I was useless, like, or like doing manual labor essentially with my dad. Like I was, useless. like, I was a girl. I was, he wanted boys. He got three girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's that. So like, I'm so grateful that he, like, I don't, do new experiences without my husband. He wants to be part of all the new experiences, see the new wonders in the kids' faces because he's that's important to him to be that he's a very hands-on dad. And I'm yeah. so grateful for that because I probably I couldn't handle someone who wasn't, honestly. I'll be like completely honest, it's too important to me. So he's super hands-on. So I think that's why it's so weird for the boys not to have him at night to give them their hug and kiss goodnight. Like that's been the biggest trip up. So sometimes, like, if he's free, he'll FaceTime. It just depends on where he's at in work. Like, if it's mm. a chaotic night, he can't. But if he can, he does. Yeah. Just to keep that going. So have you ever thought about the idea that these things are happening right now? Because your entire family are breaking so many generational cycles. Because think about you and your husband as children. You didn't have, you guys didn't have parents, at least from what you've told me, you guys didn't have parents that no, didn't have parents that truly like to this level of awareness. Yeah. Not when we were kids. No. Right. So you guys having this awareness and really being intentional. And this is what we, a lot of people call conscious parenting, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I know that his parents were great and like, they're amazing, but that (laughs) awareness of conscious parenting and being so aware that, oh my goodness, my actions, the things that I say are really affecting my child. So that also creates, it creates its own slew of childhood wounds that manifest, right? Even the tiniest things do, but now with your guys' kids, like this awareness and you guys having these things that you're doing, communication, feeling safe, um, making them feel heard. 
that's completely new in your family lineage. And so you guys are really breaking those cycles now. And so to answer your question, you stop this from happening by literally just continuing what you're doing. I feel like you coming onto this call is really you just kind of also getting that reassurance and validation that not that you need it, but sometimes I think it's, it helps hearing from somebody else that you're doing an amazing job. You're doing everything that, that your child literally needs of you. And as long as both parents are some like present in, in their lives. And the only other thing that I think comes up is like, maybe in those times where he's not able to FaceTime your child and, you know, kind of almost speaking on dad's behalf for him, like, oh, dad says, you know, loves you and misses you and little, and see, you're, you said you're already doing that. So really. (laughs) And we have our safety stuffed animals that make them feel safe at night. Now, like we've, they've identified objects and I'm like, that's fine. Like I have a, I'm 30 years old and I have a blank or I'm almost 30 and I have a blankie still that was given to me when I went into surgery at six months and it's still in my bed. And if I'm nervous that I grab it, like as silly as that sounds at almost 30, I still have a blankie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's, It's my one piece that I've had my entire life. It has followed me. It's the only thing I've like attached to. Like, I don't, I can throw away objects. Like it's no one's business except that don't touch my, I'm like, don't touch my blankie. (laughs) Yeah. So I wish that I had a more complex answer for the question that you had, but I almost feel like even just having us having this conversation about it now, do you feel like your question has been answered? Yeah, it definitely helps a lot. Like it's the biggest thing that's been like bothering us lately and trying to work through and definitely helps a lot. Well, because when you're in those moments, you're seeing it manifest in front of you. So it's hard to pull yourself out of it and be like, no, we are breaking the cycle and it is going to be a little bit of a process. It's not going to be a one and done thing, but, oh, here's another thing that I do recommend is maybe keeping some sort of journal, like a habit journal of logging down habits with your, with your, with your kids, having that data to show you like, oh, he's improving in this and this in this area. So that was really helpful for one of my clients where she was kind of checking in with me almost on a weekly basis of the behavior of her kids. Like she will notice, oh, when I have a conversation this way, my child doesn't have as much outbursts. And then all these like tiny little things, like you've shared with me that you are doing so many of these individual things with your child, start logging those things down because it's also programming things into your subconscious that, oh, when I do this, this changes this behavior. When this happens, this happens. And then it just starts to become this automatic thing. And I think- you seeing that data that, oh, his behavior is changing in this and this and this way is going to help you also like increase like your confidence in the whole yeah. situation. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it definitely does. That makes a lot of sense. Probably what I need to do, honestly. <laughs> I can see, well, then I can see it and know like, okay, well, this didn't work, but this did and can continue on what did work. I'm really praying that putting him in sports helps because he's highly competitive and he has no outlet for that right now, mm-hmm. so, except with his little brother, which that's not always the best outlet. Like I'll be completely honest, your little brother, he can't always compete with his little brother. Yeah. That and also energy. Your kids have really high energy. And when we don't have energy that's able to be moved in the body, there's a stagnation and stuck feeling. And then that can manifest in different ways, right? We'll get frustrated and we'll like take anger out 
in, mm-hmm. in other ways. So a hundred percent, I think that's totally going to help, but yeah, to wrap up our conversation based on everything that we've talked about today, Sam, what do you feel like your action steps for yourself are moving forward? Definitely going to have to start doing a log and just, I think being more cognizant of what is happening before the reaction Mm. so that I can take the proper steps to either not do it again or continue the positive reinforcement and making sure he still does feel safe because it sucks when he does say he's good at vocalizing if he doesn't feel safe. And I'm really grateful for that so that I can continue to know, okay, well, we'll back off. Let us know when you feel safe and we can talk. Mm. Opening the clear. I try and keep the door open for communication as long as possible. Except bedtime. Bedtime, go to sleep. And <laughs> I'm done. Last thing that I feel like I want to ask you is, do you do emotion and feeling check-ins with your kids every day? No. Mm. I Like I usually, when they get home from school, like when I pick them up every day, Um, right now I get to do it individually. So I don't have brother with their, they get alone time when I pick them up. And the first thing is, is how are you? How was your day? And I usually to start, I guess you could say that's how I check in on them emotionally is when I pick them up from school. My oldest is very good at telling me his emotions. He always has been since he was little. Mm -hmm. I don't know if what, I can't remember if I asked it would ask him all the time, but usually he's pretty easy to tell when something's bugging him to where we can be like, Hey, what's going on? What's wrong? But it's not like a, Hey, are you feeling happy, sad or anything like this? Mm. I feel like potentially having, have you ever heard of the emotional guidance scale? Mm -hmm. I think having something like that where they can, pinpoint because I think sometimes when we don't really know the depths of emotions we'll just kind of go with whatever's the quickest that comes to mind but when they can start to understand all these like different layers of emotions it can give more data to you yeah because like the kids can say oh I feel sad but maybe it's actually like I feel hurt which is a very different emotion that pinpoints something else that's going on that just makes it a little bit easier for you guys as parents to navigate yeah no, that's true. That is very true. So creating that log and then also maybe tuning into their emotions. I've noticed with my clients that have had, that have multiple kids that it can be beneficial in both ways. Like obviously having that one-on-one time, which you guys are really prioritizing now that I love, because especially growing up in a family that you have a sibling, I can tell you the trauma that runs deep of just feeling like you're not good enough because you're not the youngest or you're not the oldest. And then seeing your parents kind of like feels like they're picking one or the other. So having that undivided alone time with mom and dad, I think is so, so, so crucial. So I love that you guys are doing that. And then I also think it's really important also in the interaction with the siblings together, like sitting at the dinner table or hanging out together or whatever. And then going through like the feelings and emotions because then they're seeing it within their sibling as well because one of the biggest problems that I have seen in the past and even with my own life Sam is that we we can have we can grow up in the same childhood home but have completely different childhoods and I think one of the biggest problems is that oftentimes we think that we're the only ones struggling and our sibling is like riding pony to sunshine town fullheartedly well what my sisters are six and nine years younger than me like we are very far apart 
our childhoods are completely opposite. Mm-hmm. Polar opposites because my parents stayed together till I was 17. And then, but my sisters were what? Sarah was 11 and Sandra was nine when they split up finally. So they had different areas of the marriage, like in the reflection. Like my sister and I talk about it all the time because I was older and able to understand what was going on a lot more than they were. Mm-hmm. And I saw the problems and they, she did it. Her and I communicate about it like almost every time we're together because it's helping us both heal. Yeah. Both healing journeys. So doing that, I think with your kids are going to be really, really helpful as well. Perfect. Oh, did you find this call helpful, Sam? Super, super helpful. I really did. Thank you so much for popping on and being my first guest. It's always like a little interesting and different when you're doing like coaching calls where it's like, oh, we don't have a mic up, but then it's like, oh, this is going to be going up. So I just want to say thank you for giving me your time, sharing your heart and soul with us on this podcast. And I appreciate you so, 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 so much. And I just have one last question for you, for everyone who's listening, what is like, what, and you know, topic of moms, what is your one golden nugget and my you know, mother. word of wisdom for the listeners yeah. today. Um, always try and have fun mm. and act like a kid more. I what I ride my skateboard with my boys. They ride their scooters or their bike, whatever they want to ride, and I ride my longboard. And we go and do random things. And teaching them spirituality has been a huge, huge thing. Like just the base level, just meditation and deep, like breath work, that has mm-hmm. made the biggest difference in our life. <sighs> I love that. Thank you so much, Sam. You're welcome. I love you. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in and I'll catch you guys later. Before we close out this episode, I just want to say a massive thank you to Sam for being so vulnerable and bringing up a topic that is so common in so many different households. I cannot tell you how many clients I work with from all genders that struggle with parenting, that feel like they're not doing a good enough job, that are worried they quote unquote mess their kids up and are worried about their future. And if that's you, if you're a current parent or if you desire to be a parent, I just want to leave you with this. You are doing enough and you are always doing the best that you can with the resources that you have in that moment. And the best thing that you can do is focus on yourself, focus on healing, because when one person heals, everyone else around you heals. Healing creates a ripple effect. And just know that you are doing an amazing job and celebrate yourself more, have more compassion for yourself and just give yourself more grace because you deserve it. And that self-love, self-compassion, self-respect is going to trickle into your family life, whether you realize it or not. So I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you'd like to be a guest on one of these live coaching sessions, then just email my team at info at evolvewithevelyn.com. I promise we're going to make a more streamlined way to do this, but if you enjoyed this, if you have any questions, I would love to hear from you. I would love if you could leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, just sharing your biggest breakthroughs or aha moments or what you think of this, and For everyone who leaves a review and emails my team at info.evolvewithevelyn.com, you'll be entered into a giveaway to win a spark session, which is my signature inner child and generational trauma healing session. So love you guys. I cannot wait to continue building this relationship with you on this podcast, and I will connect with you soon. Bye.